couple announcements this morning that I got wrong last week, so my apologies. Uh, all dates that I gave you, scratch them all, last week's announcements did not happen, so uh, just uh, forget about the last week's announcements. That's why uh, I have a wife who keeps me in check to let me know that when I do something wrong, she, she tells me, hey, you, you did that wrong. And so, uh, and I also have a mother who tells me the same Monday morning, like, hey, wait a minute, that's not the dates that we got last, you know, last time at Bible study. And I said, oh, yeah, I know, and my wife already corrected me on that. So let me give you the correct dates of everything for the month of May. So uh, next Sunday, of course, we have Mother's Day, and so a mother's in the house, come and join us um, in person or online. Uh, that week, the 13th uh, of May, will be Women's Bible Study at 7 p.m. in the house, not the, uh, the, the, the 6th, like I told you last week. I'm sorry, that was, that was wrong. It's the 13th of May. The 20th of May at 7.30, we're going to have youth here, and so um, I know that they're looking forward to, to that. And then on the 28th, the last Friday of the month, we're going to have young adults here. So if you're young, uh, between the ages of 30, 18 to 35, let's be real, I'm over 35, but I'm still young. We're all young, right? You know, it's, it's amazing. As you get older, you become younger, right? You think, oh, 30 is so old, or 40 is so old, or 50, and you get 50, and you're like, yeah, that's not old at all, right? It, it's, it's not. And so um, uh, just remember those dates, uh, and, and uh, like I said, scratch what we did last week. So Bible study for the women on the 13th at 7 p.m., 20th is the youth at 7.30, and the 28th is young adults. All right. Uh, also, if you want to tie it into our ministry, you can do so by giving, um, by texting the word GIVE to 833-414-0165. You can set up a reoccurring amount, or you can give of any amount um, however the Lord leads you, uh, but we greatly appreciate your uh, contribution to our uh, ministry. Uh, last week, well, this morning, my sermon is titled Heart Check. You didn't know if you were coming to church that you're going to get a heart check this morning, but Heart Check is, is my sermon title. will be in Acts chapter 15. We'll also be in Romans 2 uh, this morning, so we're going to be j- jumping around between those two uh, verses, but last week, we finished up Acts chapter 14, and we learn how Paul had the strength to continue. We learn that strength comes from, right, for Paul and for us, it comes from our surroundings, right, those who uh, surround us. We also learn that uh, uh, strength to continue comes from our determination to get back up, right? When we get knocked down, we got to get back up. Uh, we also learn that strength comes from our, our, our courage to move forward, and then lastly, uh, we realize that our strength comes from one place, which is our commitment to God. You know, and in the remainder of chapter 14, we see that Paul uh, continues on his, minist- uh, his first missionary journey. He goes back to the towns that he visited, um, all the way back to where it all started from, which was Antioch of, of Syria. That's where Barnabas and Saul in Acts chapter 13 starts their first missionary tour, first missionary journey, whatever you want to call it. But in Acts 15, we see that Paul and Barnabas are now back in Antioch of Syria, not Poseidon, right? That was their, their final journey before they go back to Antioch of Syria. And while they were there, a debate broke out. And the debate circled around circumcision. There was some man from Judea, it tells us in Acts 15, that they were teaching that the believers were required by the law to be circumcised. And if they weren't, they were taught that they weren't truly saved. That if you're not circumcised, you're not truly saved. But Paul and Barnabas disagree with this. That's not what they preached. They didn't preach that. 
So the church in Antioch said, we're gonna handle this dispute. We're gonna have you, Paul and Barnabas, go back to Jerusalem. We're gonna have you meet with the elders of the church. We're gonna have you meet uh, 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 with, with the, the, the leads of the church, the elders, regarding this issue. So Paul and Barnabas went and, and they shared with the, the council in Jerusalem everything that happened with the Gentiles on their mission trip. They, they told the council about how many people they witnessed to and how many people found Jesus, right? It was a great number of people. But the Pharisees insisted. They insisted that in order for the Gentiles to be saved, they must first circumcise, circumcise themselves by the law in order for them to be truly Saved. And that's where we pick up our text this morning in Acts chapter 15, verse 6. And, and this is Peter talking. He says, so the apostles and elders met together to resolve this issue. At the meeting, after a long discussion, Peter stood and addressed them as follows. Peter says, brothers, you all know that God chose me from among you some time ago to preach the, to the Gentiles so that they could hear the good news and believe. Continues on in verse eight, it says, God knows people's hearts. Say, God knows people's hearts. God knows people's hearts. And he confirmed that he accepts Gentiles, amen. He confirmed that he accepts us, right, by giving them the Holy Spirit, as Peter says, just as he did to us. Verse nine says, he made no distinction between us and them, for he cleansed their heart through faith. What did he do? He cleansed their what? Their heart through what? Through faith, right? That's how we come before Jesus Christ is through faith, right? He cleanses our heart by accepting him into our heart. Verse 10 goes, so why are, so why are you now challenging God by burdening the Gentile believers with the yoke that neither we nor our ancestors were, uh, uh, that, I'm sorry, that, nor our ancestors were able to bear. He goes, why are you troubling with us, with this, with us, right? We couldn't bear it, so how can we expect somebody else to bear it. And then verse 11, he says, we believe that we are all saved the same way by the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus. See, the Jewish council was arguing, arguing that the Gentiles needed to be circumcised, right? They needed for them, for, for them to, to become a Jew in order to become a Christian, and it was done through the act of circumcision. But that's not what Paul and Barnabas shared with the Gentiles. See, Paul and Barnabas shared the grace of Jesus Christ. That's what they preached. They preached Jesus. There was nothing else. There's nobody else that could save other than what? Jesus, right? That's the only way that we are saved. There is no other name, right, that we are saved other than who? Jesus. That's how we're saved. And the Jewish council believed in Jesus. You see, that wasn't the issue. They believed in Jesus. They were having a healthy debate. They had some grounds of understanding at this particular point. They believed in Jesus. That wasn't the issue. The issue was even uh, in them realizing it, without them realizing it, they were adhering to Jesus plus something else kind of gospel. It was Jesus plus circumcision. And that's not the gospel, right? That's not the gospel because what they were trying to do was trying to add a criteria on to Jesus. You need to accept Jesus, but you also need to adhere to the old law. You need to be circumcised and accept Jesus to be orderly, to be uh, uh, actually truly saved. See, when we add anything to the gospel, you know what happens to the gospel? We lose the gospel. 
We lose the gospel. We overcomplicate the gospel saying, you need to do this or you need to do that. But wait a minute, it's a free gift, right? We have to accept Jesus Christ in our life. If it's Jesus plus circumcision, you know what we miss? We miss Jesus. Because what we're saying is, and what the Jewish council was saying was, Jesus by himself wasn't enough. Jesus by himself going to the cross, resurrecting on our behalf wasn't enough. You still have to do something else. Jesus plus isn't the true gospel. It comes down to this. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. If you find a true relationship with Jesus Christ, and I'm talking about a true 100% sold out, nothing else matters, then Jesus Christ, guess what? The other areas in our life starts to change. We don't come to Jesus saying, I fixed all my issues. We come to Jesus and says, hey, listen, I have all these issues and I need, I'm in need of a savior, right? I'm a guilty man. I'm a guilty woman. I need Jesus to come in and change my life. And when we submit to Jesus 100%, then at that point, Jesus can come in and start changing things in our lives. It was hard for the Pharisees to grasp, hard for us to grasp because we're so used to working for something, right? You know, nothing's given out for free. We always say that. Nothing's for free, right? Everything costs a price, whether you pay for it or not. Somebody else paid for it. Everything costs something. Jesus Christ, it costs him his death and resurrection, right? But it's all paid for. There's nothing else to earn because you can't earn your way into heaven. Just, you just can't do it. You can't earn your way into heaven. But what happens is our hearts become clouded with false precepts. And if not careful, we lose sight of Jesus. Proverbs, Proverbs 4.23 says it best. It says, above all else, Guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. What? Guard your what? Your heart, right? We're not talking about the physical heart. Our physical heart's important, but even more important is our spiritual heart, right? So the writer of Proverbs says, it says, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. But look at the New Living Translation. This spoke pretty, pretty boldly this week to me. The New Living Translation says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. So it's not about everything that flows from it, because that's true, but it determines the course of your life. That's, that's powerful when you think about your heart determines the course of your life. You know, it, it gives us more meaning into you know, what we say sometimes, I tell my, my, my children, you know, put your heart into it, right? Put your heart and soul into it. We say things like that, right? But when you think about putting your heart into something, and then when, when Proverbs 4.23 says, for it determines the course of your life, that elevates the meaning of putting your heart into it because as a heart, what it comes from, everything comes from the heart, right? And if you put our, our heart into it, it determines the course of your life. There's a reason why Jesus speaks of the heart. There's a reason why we ask the question as Christians, have you accept Jesus into your heart, right? Because it changes the course of our life when we accept Jesus as the Lord of our life, it changes the course of our life, right? But where does it all start from? It starts in one area, and that is the heart, the spiritual heart, we pay so much attention to our physical heart, but we totally forget about our spiritual heart. 
You know, we go to the doctors, we see our blood pressure, our cholesterol levels, and LDL, LDL and HDL and all the other DLs, right? We pay attention to all of them, right, for our heart health, but we forget about our spiritual hearts. That sets the course for our life. This morning, my question is, how is your spiritual heart's health? Turn with me to Romans 2, verse 25, and we're going through 29 this morning. Fits in perfectly because this is Paul who's writing to the, to the Romans. In verse 25, he says, the Jewish ceremony of circumcision has value only if you obey God's law. But if you don't obey God's law, you are no better off than an uncircumcised Gentile, which, by the way, was the worst thing you can possibly be, an uncircumcised Gentile to the Jews. It says in verse 26, and if the Gentiles obey God's law, won't God declare them to be his own people? Verse 27 says, in fact, uncircumcised Gentiles who keep God's law will condemn you who are circumcised and process God's law, but don't obey it. There's three things, three keys I want you to see this morning. The first one is it's not about being a good person. It's about being a godly person. See, good and godly are two different things. There's a bunch of good people out there that are not godly people because good and godly are two separate things. See, Paul was explaining to those who pointed out that they are circumcised, that it really did not matter if they were circumcised or not because they didn't even follow the law that they upheld with circumcision. It didn't matter at that particular point. They might have been good people. They might have been good Jews, but they weren't godly Jews. They weren't godly people. See, the, the law does not matter if you partially follow it because if you partially follow it, guess what happens? You partially disobeyed it, right? We, if you partially follow the law, the other half is partially disobedience. You can't have full obedience when you only partially do it. See, Paul pointed out that there were uncircumcised Gentiles who kept God's law who would condemn the circumcised Jew because the Jew did not keep God's law. Circumcised Jew was a good person. However, they missed being a godly person. See, it's interesting that when we disobey the law, we like to justify our disobedience with pointing out the parts of the law that we do abide by. That's what the Jews were doing. I'm circumcised, but I don't pay attention to any other part of the law. So I'm saved. No, not really, because it doesn't work out like that. You know, we like to point out to the Ten Commandments, and I follow the Ten Commandments to a T. I'm perfect in the Ten Commandments, right? Everything is good because I look upon the Ten Commandments, and I check off each and every single box, let me tell you, Jesus Christ came to fulfill the law, to elevate the law, so it's not about just the Ten Commandments anymore, right? It's not about just committing murder any longer, right? I didn't commit murder, but Jesus says, if you have hatred in your heart, where, where, where is it at? In your what? In your heart, he says, you've already committed murder against that brother or sister within your what? Within your heart, right? You can say, well, I've never cheated on my wife. I've never had an adulterous relationship. That's great. That's fantastic. But Jesus also said, if you looked upon a man or a woman, right, with lust, you have what? Committed adultery already in your own hearts. 
You know, it's like us saying, I speed down the freeway. Think about my wife when I say this. I speed down the freeway, right? And I use my blinker so everything's okay. So when the officer pulls me over, he can say, hey, ma'am or, or, or mister, you've done 90 in a 65, you're disobeying the law. And we tell the officer, well, I use my blinker while doing it, right? How stupid does that sound? But the thing is, is we justify our sin and living in wrong because we want to point out what we've done right and forget what we've done wrong. We can't do that because that's a good person. A good person obeys by most of the law, but a godly person strives for all of the law. Amen? All of Jesus. Being a Christian isn't about being a good person who abides by some of the principles of God. Being a Christian is about being a godly person. You know, sitting in your garage doesn't make you a car. Sitting in church doesn't make you a Christian. It doesn't. A Christian should be a good person, but above all else, not just a good person, but a godly person. The goodness of a person will come naturally because of the godliness of the person. You don't have to work at the the goodness part because if you work at the godliness part, the goodness part follows. You can't just be nasty and godly. It doesn't work out, right? And sometimes we try to be. We try to be godly and we're just nasty, we can't be nasty while being godly. It doesn't work out, and we'll, we'll touch on that in just a little bit and how that, that conflicts. But it's not about, and uh, Austin said this earlier, I think it was in our own personal prayer time, it's not about perfection. It's about progression to perfection. You know, what, what we think about is sometimes we strive for per- perfection, and when we miss the mark of perfection, we get all upset, and, 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 and our, our, our attitude changes and everything else because we failed at perfection. It's about progression to perfection. Amen? That is what a Christian is. It's someone who is Christ-like. It means having a heart of Christ. When you represent a, being a Christian, you have a heart of Christ. I'm tell you this, it's a daily decision to wake up every day and say, today, I'm going to be more Christ-like. Yesterday, I made some bad decisions, but today, because Jesus Christ woke me up this morning, today, because my, my mercies are renewed every single morning, I have a new opportunity, and I'm going to be Christ-like today. Sometimes, some of us have to do it on a, on not, not just a daily basis, because I think all of us have to do it, but sometimes we have to do it on a minute-by-minute basis right? Get your attitude in, in, in check, right? Listen more than you talk sometimes, right? There's some, some, sometimes we just got to be, be muted, right? Jesus in Luke 9, 23 instructs us to take up our cross. And he says, say, take up your cross once and that's it. Jesus says, take up your cross. And he says, you need to follow me daily. Take up your cross daily, every day. It's a decision to what are we going to do? Are we going to be just good people or are we going to be godly people? But it's a day by day decision to take up our cross and follow him. Because if it wasn't daily, he would have said, take up your cross once and follow me and you're good. He didn't say that. He said, take up your cross daily, which means we have a daily decision to follow Jesus every single day to become Christ-like, not just to become good people, but to become godly people. But it starts in one place. It starts in the heart. Verse 28, he says, uh, Paul, back in Romans 2, 28, he says, For you are not a true Jew just because you were born of Jewish parents or because you have gone through the ceremony of circumcision. Let me stop right there for a minute. I'm gonna give you another nugget. Just because your parents were Christians doesn't mean you're Christians, okay? 
I remember years ago, I was, I was selling cars, and this, this, this guy was on, 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 we call it the point. So whenever you walk, drive up to the car dealership and you see like 20 salespeople standing there, it's called the points, right? And, and you guys, when you come on the lot, are called ups. So we would call cars all day long. Yes, I'm not kidding. Blue car off the freeway, black car off the freeway. Oh, it's ridiculous. But anyways, we would stand on the point and call cars, okay? And at one, more, one, one uh, afternoon, we were out there, and this guy just had the foulest mouth. He was from, um, I want to say he was from Jordan. And he was saying something, and he goes, I'm a Christian. And we're like, what, what do you mean you're a Christian? He goes, well, I'm a Christian. Because you either in those countries, you are either a, a, a Muslim or you're a Christian. You have two choices. And he goes, so I'm a Christian because my parents were Christians. But I don't practice Christianity. Well, then you're, you're not a Christian. You can't call yourself a Christian. And that's what Paul was saying about the Jews. It's just because you were born a, a Jewish parents or because you have gone through the ceremony of circumcision doesn't make you a Jew, right? Just like I said earlier, sitting in church doesn't make us a Christian, right? Sitting in your garage doesn't make you a car, right? Sitting in a science lab doesn't make you a scientist. It just doesn't happen, right? Verse 29, he says, no, a true Jew, a true Jew is who? It says, one whose heart is right with God and true circumcision is not merely obeying the letter of the law, rather it is a change of heart. What is it? A change of heart produced by who? Yourself? Produced by who? God, right? Produced by God's spirit, which is the Holy Spirit. And a person with a changed heart seeks praise from God, not from people. So we're going to dive into those uh, the next two points. The, first, the second one I wanted us to see this morning, it's not about the outward display. It's about the inward condition. It's not about the outward display. It's about the inward condition. See, the Jewish council stance is that part of being saved was the outward sign of circumcision, right? They believed it was Jesus plus circumcision. But Peter said it has nothing to do with circumcision. Right, we just read in Acts 15, 8, he said, God knows people's what? Hearts. It doesn't say God sees people physically. He says, God knows the hearts. See, that's why baptism doesn't save you. Baptism is an outward sign of an inward change, right? It's an outward sign of what has already have taken place inwardly. Baptism does not change the inward person. The inward person is changed prior to baptism, and baptism is a sign that we are now changed inwardly, right? And it's an outward display of what has happened already inwardly. Say, by being baptized, nothing has changed in your life. And inwardly, at that point, the baptism is just, you're just taking a nice little soak in the water because nothing has changed, right? Because it should be a symbol of what has been changed inwardly, and it's a display outwardly also Paul's message to the Romans. It's not about what you do outwardly. It's about the inward condition of the heart. See, how we act outwardly will show who we are inwardly. Eventually, it will show. See, we can act a certain way outwardly, but that does not change who we are inwardly. Eventually, the inward person and woman will be displayed outwardly. That's why it's important that the inward condition is displayed outwardly. We have to show who we are inwardly, right? And if it's not right, then guess what? There's no point in putting a facade on. We have to change the inward person. 
Do people see our actions, but, but, but God sees the hearts. We see this in the, in the life of Samuel, Saul, and, and, and David. You know, in picking of the, the first king of Israel, Samuel, the prophet, looked upon Saul, and he looked upon Saul, and he goes, oh, yeah, this guy's strong. He's tall. He's handsome. He's the perfect king, right? And he goes, and how does he present Saul to the people? He tells the people, look at this guy's statue. Look at his looks. Look how handsome he is. We're going to anoint him as your next king. That's what, what, what uh, uh, Samuel saw in King Saul. And we realize that, you know, Saul wasn't a great king, that God took him out of power. And then we see God direct Samuel and say, hey, listen, go to the house of Jesse and pick out and, and anoint another king, which we know is King David, right? But as he goes to the house of Jesse, he looks at the eldest, right? And he looks at Jesse's eldest and goes, this is, must be it. This guy is strong. He's good looking, right? He's, he's a perfect king. And he's again making the same mistake that he did with Saul, judging by the mere appearance of the outward man, right? But Jesus, but God said, hey, that's not what I'm looking at. I'm not looking at the outward appearance. I'm looking at the inward man. And he says in 1 Samuel 16, 7, it says, but the Lord said to Samuel, he says, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the hearts. David was chosen king not because he was the most qualified, not because he was the best looking, because he wasn't, right? He wasn't the best looking. He was qualified because of his heart. That's why David was, was qualified as king. There was other people who were qualified that had a better resume than David. A lot of them had a better resume than David. How can you go anoint a shepherd boy who's the youngest it just doesn't happen. It goes against custom. It goes against tradition. But because David had the best heart of the sons of Jesse, that's why he was chosen. Not from his experience, but because based off his what? Heart health, his heart condition. See, the outward display can be an act, but eventually it will be displayed what is inwardly. Eventually, the act will be over. Eventually, the curtain will be called. And if we are not living the life inwardly, what's going to be displayed outwardly is what we've been living inwardly. Let me tell you what Jesus says in Luke 12, 1 through 3. He says, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees. What was yeast? I said it earlier, yeast represents what? Sin, right? He says, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees, their hypocrisy. He says, the time is coming when everything that is covered up right, inwardly, the things that they do in secret, the things that they, they, they've hidden, right, it, says it will be revealed, and all that is secret will be made known to all. Whatever you have said in the dark will be heard in the light, and what you have whispered behind closed doors will be shouted from the housetops for all to hear. Yikes, right, when you think about that. The, the things that are done in the dark, the things that we've done inwardly would eventually will rise its nasty head and it will show outwardly. Let me ask you this. What would happen if we all had the Mel Gibson Sixth Sense, whatever you want to call it, from the movie What Women Want? Remember that movie, right? He, he, was, uh, 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 he could hear the thoughts of women, right? And what would, what would happen if we had the ability to hear the inner heart and thoughts of each other? What would happen? What would happen if we hear the inner heart speak? Or what would happen if we heard the inner thoughts? What would they say? Will the inward heart match the outward display? 
Do we have an outward action that loves, but a heart that does not? Do we have the words that say, I love Jesus, and Jesus is Lord of my life, but we have a heart that does the total opposite? Do we have the outward appearance of a Christian, but of a heart that's not Christ-like whatsoever? You know, last year, it's been, what, 13, 14 months now, we started wearing these masks on our faces, and, you know, I don't like masks because of the beard that I've grown over this last year, but uh, we have to wear these masks, right? And I, I've had several occasions where I've been in supermarkets, and I'm passing by somebody, and I'm looking at them like, I know I can see the face and the hair, but I think I know you, but I don't really know you, but I think I know you. My, 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 I was talking to my mother-in-law, and she was saying that my brother-in-law was out of state in Arizona, and he came across like a cousin that he hasn't seen in years. He goes, I thought it was him, but I'm like, no, not in Arizona. And then come to find out, he told my mother-in-law, because he never went up to the person. So my mother-in-law, my mother-in-law contacted the cousin. The cousin's like, oh yeah, he lives in that area. That was probably him. And of course, he never went up to him because he was wearing a mask. He was un unable to see, right? And we've all had those situations like, wait a minute, is that such and such? He looks familiar, but I don't know because it's hard to tell with the masks on. The, that physical picture of the mask that I just gave you, we use masks all our lives, not just in the last 14 months. The mask, the inner self, to put on display, to put on a front. How many of us mask up the outward man to hide what is happening in the inward man or inward, inward woman? It's not about what we put on display, church. It's not about what we put on display. It's about what's going on in our hearts. Do we live in a culture that wants to put up a front that says, hey, if you look at my social media, I'm a happy family, I'm a perfect person. You know, I go here, there, you know, take pictures. You know, it's amazing and it's heartbreaking. It's, I, I don't even say it's amazing, it's, it saddens me and it's heartbreaking that, you know, they're, they're, you know I, I've been married for 18 years and I've seen, you know, friends get married and family get married and one day everything's perfect on Facebook and Instagram. And the next day, all the pictures are removed from her or him, and they're completely separated, and they're going through divorce. And you're like, wait a minute. I thought life was perfect. I thought it was all good. What happened? Where did it go wrong? You know what it was? It was hiding behind a mask of, we're happy. Everything is good. Everything is going great. You know, this past week, my son had an opportunity to play in um, Newberry Park, and it was for a Snoop Dogg's uh, um, Youth Basketball League. And we were, uh, no pun intended, we were snooping around Snoop Dogg's Instagram. <laughs> and we were snooping around his, his Instagram. You're not really snooping, he's a public figure, right? And everything's public. And, and we were looking at, you know, his family. I didn't realize that he had, I think, four or five kids. I couldn't remember. I didn't realize that, he, you know, he was married to his high school sweetheart. And, and the more we looked into it, the more we realized that, you know, his, his life isn't as perfect as, as, it, as it looks. Right? He had extramarital affairs. He's had children with, uh, I, th I think, one or two different women. I can't remember what it is. I know, exactly, I know for one, for sure. But, you know, um, and he had different affairs with other women. And somebody posted on Instagram, man, you guys are such a happy couple, just a perfect relationship. No, no, it, it, it might be perfect now, but there was some hurt. There was some heartache. And there was a mask, a facade that was put up that says, yeah, look at us. We're all good. No, no, you can't be good. You can't be good, but we've decided to, to, to rear a mask because what it has done is it's hidden what's going on inwardly in our hearts. It looks perfect from the outside, but in reality, it's not. 
The outward display showed that everything was okay, but inwardly, it's not okay. And verse 29 tells us that the true Jew is one whose heart is right with God. Paul goes on and he says, true circumcision is this. See, true circumcision is this. It's a change of heart produced by the Holy Spirit. We can say a true Christian is one whose heart is right with God. And that's all that matters. A true Christian is one whose heart that's right with God. It doesn't matter if it's, you're circumcised or not. It matters if the heart, listen to this, it matters if the heart is circumcised. It matters if we allow God to come in and take fragments from our hearts, the past that we've lived, the things that we've done, the shame and guilt that we've carried, that's where circumcision matters. Are we able to allow God to come in and do some heart surgery and circumcise our hearts? Are we able to allow God, that's what matters, is we able to allow God to remove things from our hearts, circumcise our hearts, so the outward display matches that of the inward person. But it comes to what? Circumcision of the heart. Because let me tell you this, if they don't match, then there's a conflict, right? There's a conflict. Oil and water don't mix, right? There is a conflict, and there's a stirring in our hearts. We're going back and forth because they don't match. And let me tell you, nothing else matters. We might be fooling somebody, but we're not fooling the one. We're not fooling God because God knows what? Our hearts. God knows our inner thoughts. God knows our inner beings. And so it doesn't matter what kind of mask we put on. You know, it's amazing that some of these masks that they, they came out with, I saw a guy the other day, I kept staring at him at the basketball game because he had this nice mask that almost looked like his face. I'm like, this guy must have printed it himself and it matched his color of his tone. I mean, it was perfect. You see those things on Facebook all the time, but I'm like, that mask is really good, right? But, you know, I mean, I find that, what are you staring at me for, dude? And he's probably used to it because the mask was really good. I'm like, was he not wearing a mask? But it, it was, let me tell you, it was good. It was probably the best mask I've ever seen. I wanted to come up to him, but I was walking to the restroom. I didn't think it was appropriate time. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, sometimes we, we, we hide behind these perfect facades, right? And what it comes down to is sometimes it comes down to earning a man's or woman's approval in our life instead of the approval of God. Look back what he says in verse 29 again. It says, no, a true Jew is one whose heart is right with God. A true circumcision is not merely obeying the letter of the law. Rather, it is a change of heart produced by what? The Holy Spirit, God's Spirit. And a person with a changed heart does what? Seeks the praise of, from God, not from man. The third thing, the last thing I want us to see this morning is it's not about what man thinks. It's about what God thinks, amen? It's not about what man thinks. It's, it's, it's about what God thinks. And, and we're, so, we're so focused on what man would think. What would they say? What would they think? You know, I've gotten to the point in my life is I don't care no more. I don't care what people have to say because people are going to hate regardless. They're going to say regardless. You're going to have people who support you, who surround you, and other ones that don't. And you know what? Like I said last week, Surround yourself with people who will edify you and uplift you in the ways of the Lord. And if they're not, you know what? Cut them loose. I don't care who they are. Cut them loose. Hearts should be to seek praise from God, not from people. 
You know, I said this before, but sometimes we walk in and we say, I want the favor of the Lord on my life. But you know what favor means? It means the approval of the Lord. That means that if we say we have the favor of the Lord, that means the way that we live has the approval of the Lord. To receive the approval of God, we must be seeking his face, not man's, man's face. See, we live in a culture that, that wants affirmation from man, and, and I've touched on this last week about social media, and, and I say this because we're all guilty of it. You know, how many people like this picture? How many people, you know, uh, said something here? And how many people, you know, tuned in and watched this or whatever it may be? And we're seeking for affirmation and confirmation from men and women of our surroundings instead of seeking after God. And by doing so, what we, we show is our hearts are not truly changed. Our lives will demonstrate true change when we stop seeking after men, after women, start seeking after the approval of God. For some of us, that's all we've done in life is we sought after approval because we had a horrible upbringing or we've experienced a bad relationship. And so we look for approval, we look for love, we look for acceptance, we go from place to place. And some of us have been Christians for a long time, but we still have that hole in our hearts because what we've done is we've tried to fill in something that we've experienced all our lives. And we go through the next and the next and the next. And what we're doing is we're seeking after man or woman not seeking after God. Part of circumcising the heart is to remove things in our life that hold us back from seeking after God's approval. It's not putting you towards God, it's taking you away from God. We have to go after God. Because if not, who are we going after? Who are we seeking? Who, who are we following? Who, are, who do we want approval from? Let me tell you, it, it's not Joe or, or, or you know, Jen. It's Jesus. And when we, when, we get to, when we get to heaven, there's one response that we want to hear is this, you know what, you lived your life accordingly. And we accept you into the kingdom of God. That's what we want to hear, Amen. If, 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 you know, Bob accepted you or he didn't accept you has no bearings on your everlasting life. It may hurt. It may hurt physically, but let me tell you, it has no bearings on your spiritual heart. It may hurt the physical heart, but it has no bearings on the spiritual hearts. Because all that matters is when we pass, which we all will, we all will, had a conversation with my son this week and, you know, I was telling him different things and goals that, you know, me and my wife have. And I said, and when, when we die, it's all yours and Haley's. Haley's sitting in the back and she goes, you guys died? And I said, no, no, baby, we didn't die. I said, but we all have a date to die. And then who knows what that date's gonna be. It doesn't matter what approval you received on earth it doesn't equal the approval of God. So this morning, I'm going to ask you the question again, how's your heart health? You know, let's make sure our hearts are good, but more importantly, instead of good, let's make sure our hearts are godly. 
as God start working and, and circumcising different parts of our life. And so the inward parts of our life start looking like the outward parts that we display. And we don't do it for man's approval. But we do it for God's approval. Because nothing else matters. Nothing matters. Stand with me this morning. I pray if you're here in person or online, you know, nothing else matters. Because we could be good people, but we may not be godly. I'll tell you, good's not going to get you in heaven. Godly will, but good won't. Time to seek after God. Allow him to, to circumcise parts of our hearts. Because let me tell you, you know, the, the older I, I get, sometimes the harder my heart becomes. Because of life experiences. Things that have shaped us and molded us. Sometimes we don't even have control over them. But they've happened. And we carry that in our hearts, and part of our hearts become stone or, or hardened. Instead of allowing God to work and say, you know what? I want to take that part of your heart. You're beating at 50%. You're beating at 40%. You're beating at 20%. God's like, I, I want 100. I want you moving at 100%. No clogs, no arteries clogged. I want your whole heart. Allow me to do heart surgery today and remove those obstacles, those hard parts those unhealthy parts from your life. Amen. Heavenly Father, we come before you today, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for doing a heart check on us, on me this morning, Lord. Lord, allow this not just to be a, a, you know, a, a, a good sermon or good words, Heavenly Father, but allow it to be principles that we enact on our life, Lord, circumcise our hearts, Heavenly Father, Lord. Some of us are not Christians, Heavenly Father. And I ask you right now that you meet us right where we're at. But some of us are Christians, Heavenly Father. Some of us, Lord, have, have lived a hard experience, Lord. Some, some of us have, have dealt with things in our life. And I pray right now, Lord, that right where we are at, whether it be physically in this building, Heavenly Father, or at the sound of my voice, Heavenly Father, you start doing a heart check on us, Lord. Lord, start circumcising our hearts, Heavenly Father. Allow us, Lord, to seek after you, Lord, and seek approval from you, Lord, and nothing less than you, Lord. Lord, man, they can't do anything. They can kill the body, but they can't kill the heart. They can't take the soul. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for removing those things in our life, Lord. We're circumcising our hearts where they need to be cut. Sometimes cutting is, is painful. But in the long run, what has the enemy has taken, you will restore 100%. The full heart health 
once again because we serve a marvelous, miracle-working God that nothing can stand against him. We thank you for that, Lord. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that as we leave this place, Lord, as we turn off our phones or computers or TVs or whatever, Lord, I pray, Heavenly Father, Lord, that you continue working in our lives, continue, Lord, working in our hearts, Allow us to strive for you and only you this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Church says, amen. God bless you, church. Don't forget, join us next week for Mother's Day. We love you. God bless.